Jen, you know, there is a swipe surge happening on Tinder right now, so we kind of have to move this along. Hey, man, you're telling me. Uh, you know, welcome, everyone, to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle. Um, you know, I, I think I can do that better, Jen. One second. <clears throat> welcome to Somebody... No, sorry. Let me try this one more time. Welcome to Somebody Date Jen. You know what? Jen, I can't do the intro. I'm, I'm awful at this. Why don't you do this? Happy Friday. Welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle. I am Jen Sanford. That, whatever that was, was Kyle Marshall. And we are two people totally unqualified to give advice, but we're just going to do it anyway. I mean, what else are you doing? The big reminder here is to remind everyone out there that's listening that this is a podcast with two people that are completely unqualified to give advice in any conceivable way. But we are qualified to host a podcast. Obviously. Obviously. Now available everywhere. There was a bit of a snafu on our first day of release, but it is now available anywhere you can get podcasts, which is very fun. So we've been all over the place, yes. right? We've talked about breakups and deal breakers and approval. We've talked about mental health. And now I want to I want to get deep a little bit. I want to talk about self-sabotage mm -hmm. because I feel like for as different as you and I are, if we could give a masterclass on masterclass.com, it would be Gordon Ramsay and culinary skills, you know, Judy Bloom teaching how to write children's books and you and I teaching how to sabotage relationships. Would you agree or disagree with that? I guess we, we, we are the Seth Godin of self-sabotage. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we sure are. So I pitched this and when I pitched it to you, Kyle, what'd you think? What are your early thoughts on self-sabotage? I think to answer your question truthfully, I'm scared of this episode because this is like me going to my therapy appointments where there's going to be a lot of probably you say it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we <laughs> this is the same, the same song that Kyle sings every time, which is like, you know exactly what the issue is. You talk yourself out of opportunities all the time. So I get to share some of my mo uh, less than stellar history with some things. Oh, we'll dive in. Kyle, when it comes to self-sabotage in relationships, where are you at? Can I share like an actual story of mine? Yeah. Okay. This is probably the best example. What do you think this podcast is about? Go ahead. It's just true, all of us sharing. True Go ahead. hard facts. Just a list of facts from start to end. No. Go ahead. So I've been thinking about this actually all day today in the run up to the recording of this show. I really want to try and be as truthful as possible because this is a time where I was the asshole. You know how they sometimes like to ask that on Reddit? Oh. Like, was am I the asshole? A-I-T-A? Yes. In this case, I am the asshole in this situation. So I really want to be upfront with that. So the year was 2018, I believe. The Halcyon days of 2018. Not a care in the world. I was on Tinder. I'd matched with this guy. And we'd already gone out on a few dates with one another. We had, uh, I thought, had some pretty good chemistry. You know, we had taken it to, quote unquote, like that next level of, you know, sleeping over at each other's houses. So we were, we were in it. This was not like a, a one night stand, a fling or anything like that. And he even asked me the question like, hey, are we taking this to be that we are now exclusive? And I said, yes. We are exclusive, except that what okay. I was not doing was being exclusive to him. So I straight up lied to his face because I, this is how I was justifying at the time, which is not a justification, was like, I'm not that good of a person. I don't know if this thing is going to work out so well. And so I just want to make sure that there aren't any other options out there because he might deserve better. So what do I do? I'm all, I pull out Tinder again one night while I'm home alone and I match with this, this person, another guy, and he's interested in a meeting up for coffee. I was like, okay, great. We seem to live like pretty close to each other. So that night, like it was a very quick, like, okay, we're going to meet each other. Went for coffee at the Starbucks, not a sponsor. And, uh, we ended up actually sleeping together that night. Next morning, uh, I get a, a text from the person that I've actually been having a relationship with and did not have just a one night stand. And he goes on to tell me, so my best friend was telling me about this hookup that he had the other night and we got to talking <gasps> and realized you're the same person that I'm dating that he's seen. So I inextricably walked into the center of two best friends and was having a relationship <sighs> with both of them. 
And that ended both of those relationships right then and there, as it should have. But that was my self-sabotage of thinking, of justifying it and saying, like, I'm not good or yeah, I'm not good enough for this person. So let me see what's going on. And then uh, causing a lot of drama around that. How do you feel about it today? Uh, honestly, it is one of my it's the, one of the areas of my life that I hold the greatest shame over because I hate the fact that I tried to justify it for myself. I doubly hate it because I truly don't think that is the type of person that I am. But there's no way to convince other people of that because I, I did do the thing. And it's it's something that I consciously am thinking about even today. Jen, you know about the fact that I actually did go out on a date here the other night. And I mm have -hmm. uh, intentionally, even though I was just talking about surge parties, uh, not actually logged into the Tinder app since we you know, started having uh, dates with each other. And I'm going to keep it that way. Do you ever wish that, oh, I don't even know what to ask you, Kyle, because I know you to be such a kind and caring and loving person. And for that to happen, I mean, you know, what do you think was at the root of that? Like, where This is all self-esteem issues. I think that for so long, and again, this is how assholes justify their actions. But for so long, I internalized not being popular, not being attractive to self-worth. And so when I actually finally pushed myself to try online dating and then actually got pretty good reception in like those uh, first few months as I was pushing myself out and really being aggressive of like trying to find a partner talking like in the 2017 to 2018 era I I got to a point where I think I just wanted attention I wanted attention from a lot of people and I and I equated attention with like whether it be love acceptance all the things I want in a relationship uh and this is sometimes the dangers of online dating anyway where the next swipe you just swiping 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 trying to mm -hmm. find something better it happened to me in real life so it's all about acceptance and self-esteem issues because I often crave outside affirmation, but at the same time, often don't believe it, <laughs> even when I do receive it. Isn't that such a hell loop, right? Yes. I, I, I crave the external validation of others. When it arrives, then I discount it so I can crave it from someone else so right. I can discount it. Like It's like such a hell loop. You know, it's it's amazing. I'm thinking about your example. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being so vulnerable to share that. I'm thinking about how difficult it is to talk about self-sabotage because you really do have to reveal yourself to be such an asshole. I mean, you, there's no way to say like, you know, I'm trying to reveal like this sensitive, raw underbelly of why I did this. But on a surface, you mm -hmm. know, it's like and then th these are the behaviors that I exhibited. You know, it's on the surface. You look like such a it's such a difficult thing. My entire dating repertoire which started at 16 is built on self-sabotage i just stack i just have the shitty foundation and i've just tried to build like a castle out of sand on on it i was 15 or 16 it was somewhere in that cross it was the 10th grade and i had really been that weird kid like i'd been that weird kid who like liked ronald reagan and like i was just a weird kid i just no, no I, it. I had a bunch of friends at 15 who had ronald reagan posters up on their walls stop bedtime it. for bonzo was their favorite stop movie stop it stop it i i i really was a, a weird kid and i was also kind of conditioned with this belief that like you know i'd better be smart because i you know wasn't really pretty in my mind and you know i acted out because i wasn't smart in school and i it just anyway things were not going great for me i didn't have a lot of self-love so i'm already like in the wrong track not that i know a lot of people at 15 who are like i got it figured out. There was this boy and he, his name was Matt. And I, I liked him right away. Like I liked him right away. Like he was nerdy like me and he was funny and he was, I could just tell you like a really kind heart and he liked me too. And when does that ever happen? And we kind of, you know, there was a little bit of flirt here and there. And I would think about him constantly and I liked him so much. And of course, when you're 15, 16, like you're just really starting to understand your feelings and you're seeing your friends couple up and it's exciting. And, and I just thought, oh my God, like this is, this is the guy for me. We get to 
Valentine's Day or Easter. And I can't believe I can't remember because this event is seared in my mind, but it's not seared in my mind to a holiday. I just remember it was a holiday. And I came around the corner to my locker. I went to Western Canada High School, Calgary people, class of one. And I came around and like all these people were standing near my locker and I didn't really think too much about it. And Matt was standing there and I opened up my locker and he filled it with like this giant, it was a bear. And I want to say it was a bunny. So it must've been Easter and rose petals. And it just was this incredible act of like childhood romance. Mm. I freaked out. I freaked out. I was like, I don't want this. I don't like you like saying exactly the opposite of what I felt. And I, I humiliated him in front of just everybody that was present. And of course, you know, at that age, you don't have the cognition to like, look away. Like this is a car accident. Look away. You, everybody leans in. So it just got bigger and bigger. And I was just like, I don't like you like this. And I don't want this. And I don't want you. And why would you think you could be with me and get away from me? And oh my God, it was so the look on his face is seared in my mind, honestly. And he just like limped away. Hmm. And I went home that day with this like giant bunny bear. And I had to look at it in my room and just be like, what have I done? So what do I proceed to do? I proceed to then spend the remainder of my high school time chasing this guy, which who of course is like shell-shocked. Like, and I feel like this is my Gwyneth Paltrow sliding doors moment. <laughs> Where how different would my life have been if I would have just said, this is so kind. My question there then is, was it just a impulsive reaction that you had? Like in the moment, did you know you were overreacting or was it not until you were staring that bunny in the face when you got home? They're like, why did I act like that? No, it was totally in the moment. It was like everything I was saying was the opposite of what I felt. And even in that moment, it was like some out-of-body experience. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And it was, there was no part of me that could stop myself from what I was doing. And I have continued to replicate that bullshit in every relationship I've ever had. I'm known as a classic bolter. When things get hard, I want out. I bolt. I love to bolt. You are the runaway um, bride. I am totally. And it, I, I am responsible for creating such a, a significant amount of instability in the relationships that I'm in because I sense that it's good. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> this is revealed to be something that has to be unpacked. Well, that, sure. that is, I think, the biggest thing that I have come up with. And again, trying to unpack this through therapy has been a bit of a godsend, although I haven't uh, been for quite a while, which is the idea of like, as soon as I get even a little, like a sniff of happiness, I'm like, but should I be happy? And that, like, I want to push it away, like right away. We, Kyle, we cannot be alone in this. We cannot be alone at this. I have to know that there's somebody out there right now that's listening to this podcast and nodding their head and being like, oh my God, I go with Jen and Kyle. Mm -hmm. Like I belong in the army of self-sabotage. Don't you think? We can't <laughs> yeah. be alone. Good uh, Lord. Yeah. Onward into the dark. Well, I, I think the, the, the question that I had posed to you before we got recording was, is that ultimately what cheating is, right? I mean, your example was specifically about being unfaithful or, or, yeah. or trying to sabotage uh, the, the exclusivity of a relationship. But if you step away and think about cheating and, oh, shit, I have thoughts about cheating. But when you step away and think about cheating, is that ultimately what cheating is? Is it's looking at something and saying, I'm going to sabotage this. Is that, is that ultimately not as simple as it is? <sighs> I don't think it's as simple as that. I think it can be. And I suppose I will have to prove this over the fullness of time. I don't necessarily think that that maxim that you sometimes hear, which is like, once a cheater, always a cheater. I think that can be broadly true, but I don't think that's necessarily true every single time. Wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. You're welcome to be wrong. We'll okay. unpack that another day. Sure, but sure, sure. Okay, you're allowed to be wrong. I'm allowed to be wrong. Uh, I think that cheating is a bunch of different things underneath it. I forget what I was reading. There, there is like this scientific study that's been done about like the seven types of cheating that there are. Like you, there can be emotional cheating, right? Or there can be physical, like I'm physically cheating on this other person, cheating of opportunity. And there's a bunch of other ones that are out there as well. So I think there's different shades of that. 
I also think that cheating is sometimes done with complete intent. Like, it's not like, oops, I'm cheating with someone here now that it's like, no, I am very focused to do this thing. And I don't. And, and while that might be self-sabotage, I don't know if everyone would actually classify it as such where it's like, oops, I'm I'm doing this and self-sabotaging this like great relationship I'm having. It could be much more. I want to cheat because I don't like this person. So yeah, true. There, there's a lot of stuff yeah. wrapped up into it. Yeah, there totally is. I wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive around like why we sabotage. Like, what are the reasons we sabotage? Mm -hmm. And the professional community seems to think that we can put it into categories, right? Sure. Like some people say it could stem from childhood trauma, right? Like if you come from a dysfunctional sort of family relationship or you've experienced trauma, you may associate that with carrying on or mirroring that dysfunction. There's just fear, right? The fear of abandonment or... The, the other thing we never talk about, which is like the fear of engulfment. Mm -hmm. And I think about like my father likes to talk about self-sabotage with me because I, I do it often in my career. And it wasn't until I was in my, in my thirties that I was able to articulate in real ways. Like I don't fear failure. I think I could figure out what to do with failure. I do fear success. What if I'm successful and I can't handle it? Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that, maybe, I think that genuinely extends to relationships also is that you have the fear of it going wrong and being heartbroken or feeling abandoned or, or, or feeling like you put yourself into something and it didn't yield a return on investment for sure. But then there's also that fear of engulfment, right? Like what if I get into something and I, I just feel like I lose myself or I can't get myself out of it or I, 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 I just, then I'm not a whole person. So I think there's also that, that fear of engulfment that maybe we don't talk about enough when we talk about self-sabotage. I think there's also people who have mastered the art of the Irish goodbye, which is just, they just need to get out all the time. They just are always looking for an exit. Like, how can I get out of this as easy as possible? This has dogged me. People said like, how was it that you had such an amicable divorce? And I was like, well, I never had a joint checking account with that person. I never had joint assets with that person. I never, like, I, I was always being like, how easily can I get myself in and how easily can I get myself out? Mm -hmm. And I think that, that has to be the root of, of an incredible amount of, of self-sabotage. This is also, I, I sometimes have to warn people, whether I'm in relationships physically with them or even just friendships, there will get times where I do exactly this. It was like, uh, it's 1030. I'm going home and I'll just go <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> it's time to go. I have to go to bed. I've got to get out of here. Yeah. I've got to get out of here. You know, I, I think there's lots, lots of reasons why there's a whole list here. Some I agree with, some I don't. Mm -hmm. I, and then I think there's also just, and I think we don't talk about this enough, things that are so embedded in you that they're part of your personality, right? Like I have a, I have a friend who's like, I will never settle down. I just won't. I'm just not built for it. I don't entertain sure. it. So I'm a serial dater. You see relationships and you especially see what he puts the people he's in a relationship because he's a good looking, successful man. And, you know, he <laughs> brings in these people into his life and they build an attachment. And then he's like, oh, you are building an attachment. I am not. And even though, you know, you, you have to know that late at night, he does that thing where he stares at the ceiling and he's like, oh, I miss that person. I'm almost aggressively the exact opposite where in order for me to bring a person into like my circle of friends, my family, like actually getting to that point of introducing them to people, like it has to be f like really, really serious. Like there's been people I've dated for two months who has never met a person in my life. <laughs> but is that self-sabotage? Like, is that self-sabotage or is that you just being private? I, yes. I, I don't know if I would necessarily put that as self-sabotage. What I am saying is that I think that might be slightly wrapped into many of the same things where you constantly put people at like an arm's distance until it's like, okay, have you passed like the trustworthy test where I can actually bring you into the rest of my life? Uh, it becomes a big problem if that never happens where it's always someone at an arm's length. When was the last time you brought someone home to meet your parents? This is an awful thing I'm about to admit to you, Jen. I have never brought anyone home to meet <gasps> my parents. No way. <laughs> it's true. You're kidding. I'm not. You've never brought anyone not home a single to meet your person. parents. No. I have mentioned people I've dated to them before, but I've never brought someone home to meet them. And what do, what do mom and dad Marshall say about this? Well, this is also the weirdness of my family. Like anytime I bring this up, people think it, my family's fucking weird, Jen. I don't know what to tell you. They never ask. They've never <laughs> asked me. I'm listening now. Yeah. They've never asked. They've never asked. Yeah. 
They've never asked me, am I dating someone new? Am I looking for marriage? Am I settling down? They just never asked me that question. Do you think they've given up on you or do you think they just respect you as a private person? I think it's a little bit of both. I think, honestly, their parenting style and their philosophy has always been, it's like, do what you want to do. And we will we'll be included if you want to include us. Uh, it's actually the really the same thing with politics. Like I know like where my parents fall on the political spectrum, but they have never once said, this is who you should vote for. I hope you vote for this person. We don't talk about who we vote for. Like It just is never brought up. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay, so $64,000 question, yes mm-hmm. or no. Is there an indelible connection between self-sabotage in relationships and low self-esteem? Not being a doctor or a researcher, my gut feeling says there has to be. There has to be something within there where you don't feel like you're good enough or that you're you're constantly searching for ways to get out of the relationship. For me, yeah, it's almost like a no-brainer. Oh, I think they're indelibly connected. Mm -hmm. I think that they are so connected. And maybe that's just because I see it through my own lens. Yeah. I remember I had a breakup. It was an insignificant person, but for some reason, a significant breakup. And I remember one of the last things that were said was, who else would want you? Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it was about that statement that it just pierced into me. And I was like, yeah, that's been the the, the great debate here is how I can stay in things and try to get out of good things, all with this idea of trying to wrestle down my own self-worth and self-esteem within the dating realm. Right. I mean, I, I think RuPaul Charles is exactly right. If you can't love yourself, how are you going to love somebody else? I do think that is 100 percent true. Like there does have to be that level of acceptance of yourself, knowledge of yourself that you do have to work a little bit on you for a couple of different reasons. It's more mentally healthy that way. But secondly, <laughs> but secondly, I, I also don't think it's fair to get into a relationship and have them try and fulfill the role of like helping you through that necessarily and not helping oh, you through yeah, that but totally. relying on them totally. to be your crutch is like that is not a great relationship anytime i hear the expression two halves make a whole i just think no two holes make a relationship right like yeah. you have to have you have to be fully formed when you go into a relationship and to stay in a relationship you have to be fully formed i think if you're if you're wrestling down your like who you are as a person I mean, everyone's going to have, everyone's going to have periods of, of, of self-doubt and transition and change. It's unrealistic to expect you're going to come into a relationship and be you until the end. But if the string isn't, am I focused on myself? Am I growing myself? Am I being the person that I want, aspire to be? Am I addressing these, you know, truths or supposed truths I tell about myself that, that help or harm my self-esteem? If you're not doing that hard work, mm-hmm. oh boy, you're not being fair to yourself and you're not being fair to the person that's trying to love you. Or persons, persons. that are trying to love um, I will also say, just some of the lists that you were listing off there, something that I truly identify with, that childhood trauma piece really speaks to me only because like, this is something that I had to really unpack for years and years. And this is going to get into some a pretty dark place. So if people aren't down <laughs> with sexual abuse, maybe you can fast forward a little bit. But like, I, I, I've only talked about this a couple of times. I was molested at a very young age, a time like under six. So I do know that that has affected like me feeling close to people and feeling uh, loved properly, as well as understanding how to both receive and give love in proper amounts and at proper times. So that's really impacted my life a whole lot. And that's also wrapped up in self-esteem, which is also wrapped up in feelings of self-worth, the whole gamut. So. I don't know what you want to do with that. (laughs) Oh my God, Kyle. I, well, I want to, I want to, I want to honor it because I, I, I think that you being able to cognitively recognize that, that event, that horrible, awful event, Kyle, making its way into your adult life and your search for happiness and your search for partnership and and love. And as we jokingly say to, you know, to, to succumb to love. Right. Do you think today you're still holding on to it? It's still there. I, I, I know it's still there. It, anytime, uh, and this is not even like a sexual thing. I mean, that's wrapped up into it as well. But whether it's that or friendships or any type of time I, I'm starting to get closer to a person, like it's almost like flop sweating <laughs> that can happen because there is that element of, of trust that I have to have. And, and protecting, it, protecting yourself. Right. And the back of my mind is like, how are you going to 
screw this up both for me and the other person so there's kind of like this judgment that's happening on both ends where it's like i'm self-sabotaging myself like i'm not good enough i this friendships or relationships aren't aren't something that i should do while at the same time it's like "Mm, i don't want you to get too close because i know you're going to hurt me some way and i don't want to go through that pain again so there's there's a whole stuff wrapped up into my psyche which makes people complicated no but i think you hit it perfectly when you talk about this connection between intimacy and harm, mm-hmm. right? And, and how that, that becomes this, this, this link between those two things. I relate to that more than you think. Mm-hmm. I relate to that. And, and I think that there's got to be people listening that are relating to that. Do you have any advice for people who are wrestling with a childhood trauma that's similar to yours? Maybe we joke that this is unqualified advice, but if this is your lived experience, like what is your advice, Kyle? Um, <laughs> I'm going to sound like a broken record because I honestly think if that is something that you're holding on to, first step is to try and find a psychologist or psychiatrist that you feel comfortable with, that you can start to unpack that trauma. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to take a long time, but you have to go through that unpacking piece. Secondarily to that, this is just my life philosophy. Uh, so this is unique to me, but has helped a whole lot is as much as possible and it's sometimes hard but as much as possible is to lead with empathy meaning that oftentimes oftentimes when we get to know somebody you know they can trip up say the wrong thing um do something that we don't like and very very few times in my experience has it been because they are intentionally trying to cause harm so often I find that in our lives, when we are confronted with obstacles, it's because of either negligence, apathy, not understanding the situation or how it affects you. And so leading with like, I know you're not trying to do this intentionally, but this is what the reality is, uh, goes a long way. Now, if you find out that they are doing it intentionally, that's a completely different story. But I think step one is to lead with that understanding of they're not trying to do this intentionally to you to make you feel that way and you have to kind of work on that together does that make sense does that answer the question i am connecting to that more than you think and this is why we have a podcast and not uh, a video something (laughs) because i'm standing here nodding my head more than i should i um i went on a date and he said something and i don't think he meant it the way he did but oh man i sure reacted poorly and i think (laughs) I didn't really meet it with a lot of empathy. I think I might owe someone a phone call when this recording is over. Uh, and so a new table that. in that restaurant because you flipped it. And a new table in that <laughs> restaurant. Yes. And he, a new suit for him. Yeah. Okay. What Can we go to, do you want to go to the fishbowl? Let's go to the fishbowl. Actually, I'm going to take over that fishbowl. Just, oh. I'll just take it from you here, Jen. We actually put my keys into it. You always make fun <laughs> of me because I store them there. <laughs> Let me pick up this question here. Oh, okay. So the question, Jen, is how do I identify self-sabotage versus actual warning signs to end a relationship? Oh my God, that's a good question. Mm. Well, I think warning signs to end a relationship involve their behavior and Mm. your behavior. Self-sabotage is about examining your own behavior, right? So Mm. it's where where are you putting the focus? And I think it's a two-step process. First, look to yourself, right? Look to yourself to say, is this about any trigger that I have? Is this about my low self-esteem? Is this about childhood trauma? Is this about, you know, a penchant for me to gaslight people? Is this, is this my tendency to, to look for an exit? I think the best question you can ask yourself is, have I been here before? Mm-hmm. Right? Because mm-hmm. self-sabotaging behavior has a tendency to be like, you can be a totally different partner, totally different time and space, totally different set of circumstances, and yet strikingly the same behavior from you. So I think that's the looking at the self-sabotage and then versus, is it just over is about asking the question, like, is this a fruitful experience? I don't know. That feels like such a shitty answer. Kyle, what do you say? I don't know how much different I'm going to be in that. I like the idea of asking that question. Have I been here before? I often find that I need to do that. If I ever get into one of my anxiety spirals where I'm feeling like super anxious, I'm like, okay, What's coming up? What What's going on in my life? Like, what is the cause of this? And sometimes it's hard to identify, but a lot of times I just have to say, like, I've, I've felt this way before. What is going on and how can I impact that going forward? I think that 
oftentimes warning signs to any relationship are coming from an external place where self-sabotage often is coming from an internal place. There's, they're the racing thoughts or the questioning attitude or like I'm, I know for a certain like this is what, what's happening. Whereas uh, things to end a relationship are, yeah, like external forces, whether it's uh, the other person. We use the term gaslighting, like, yeah, saying things, <laughs> saying that they're not doing things that you obviously have like evidence that they are doing or uh, being rude to people in your life or causing harm to things that are important to you. So that's how I try and identify it first and then decide if either if if it's self-sabotage or it's the uh, the warning signs, what do you want to do uh, as a next step for that relationship? Plus, there's there's also I think we can add this because you and I have done this in our day to day life. There's also separating fact from fiction, right? Mm-hmm. At, just taking one step back and asking myself, what do I know to be true? Because I think sometimes in self-sabotage, you can be like, this person doesn't like me, this person. And then you have to step back and say, where's the evidence? Where's the mm-hmm. evidence to support or reject this perception that I have, right? Um, and I've I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen with strangers in public places where one will just be like, I don't think you love me. I think this is over. I think you, and then they give this like state of the union. And the other person is like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't feel that way. I never said that. I don't want that at all. And then the person's like, keeps going. And you're like, oh, this person is now not evaluating their relationship. They're self-sabotaging. They're putting themselves in a position where they can't be successful and making the other person not successful at the same time. So I think taking one step back and saying, what do I know to be true? Like, what are my actual facts separated from my feelings? And I'm not talking about intuition because I think intuition does matter, right? Mm -hmm. I think in in a relationship, you have always your intuitive self that I want to respect. But it's about some evidence-based decision-making also. Like put on your, you know, put on your professional hat a little bit and, and evaluate on those metrics too. Nothing is more true than like unanswered texts to make your mind start spinning. I don't know how many times it's been like, I've sent a text message and it's like three hours later, it's like, well, obviously they don't want to respond to me. They, <laughs> this, this relationship is now dead. Like, <laughs> You're they in don't the love spiral. Me type of thing. It's like, no, they're just at work. Like, just like, <laughs> yeah, they're, like, they're at the movies. Down. They're, they're busy. They're, they're doing something. They want to give a thoughtful response. Like, yeah, you have to give the other person a fine reputation to live mm-hmm. up to. Right. And if you find yourself spiraling that quickly over and over and over again, you're probably not ready. Right. You're probably not ready to be into what you're about to get into. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's do question number two. I'm going to pull it out here. Uh, is there any way to convince a partner that they are self-sabotaging themselves? That state of the union, you go and you grab their <laughs> megaphone. <laughs> well, don't you feel that often the way people reveal that you're that you're self-sabotaging is to just yell at you and be like, what is the matter with you? I always feel like it never comes out with grace. Like, hey, I'd yeah. like to put up a mirror to some of your behavior. It's just like, you're crazy. I have written a treatise on our on my observations of what's been going on. and <laughs> That's right. I, I'm, I'm like the Jane Goodall of this relationship. I've done a good anthropological study and this is That's what right. I've observed in the wild. Uh, it never happens like that. It's usually you use all those trigger words like you're a bitch and you're crazy. It always seems to come out that way when you when you kind of hold up how hold up that mirror. Do you want to know how much I will love the next Jane Goodall book to be entitled "Bitch, You Crazy"? <laughs> <laughs> or Jane Goodall. Just Jane, Jane Goodall to just put out a relationship book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, here's what here's what these gorillas have taught me Stupid about apes. relationships. Yeah. <laughs> I know, just something crazy. Well, encouraging your partner to be self aware. Mm-hmm. is always a great way to to build strength in your relationship. I always say some of my favorite moments have been where a partner has said to me, can I encourage you to look at this a little bit differently? Or can you tell me why you feel this way? And I think if if you have, it really does reveal how, how patient your partner is, right? Because people only have so much tolerance for self-sabotage, right? Yeah. Um, we've all, we've all been there. Yeah, definitely been there, this, like there. A, if this was like a daily or even weekly thing, like... That's a lot of external pressure to put on a partner. Yeah. I mean, if you really have a lot of self-sabotaging behavior, you can expect one outcome to that. And that's a partner saying, I cannot hang in there with this. Mm -hmm. Right. And we should all check ourselves because no one deserves a partner who is self-sabotaging. And there's really no excuse for it. I mean, you told your story. I've told my story. And at no point were we like, yeah, but 
in my defense, well, actually, like there's Jen. no, <laughs> don't you dare. Yeah. There's no, there's no defense for it. Right. So if you're in a relationship with someone who has self-sabotaging behaviors and then offers nothing but excuses for it, call a tweet at us. We'll help you pack. <laughs> I'm not doing anything next weekend. Let's yeah. We'll it. help you move. I can drive a U-Haul like nobody's business. We'll get you out of there. But the question isn't, how do you get out? The question no, is, no. how do you hold up a mirror? And I think how you hold up a mirror is by having a lot of grace and by saying like, this is what I've observed. And then, and then, you know, bring it personal to you. Like it's difficult to support you through this because I don't feel the same and encourage them to get help. Yeah. I can, I can only answer this question in regards to how I would want to be approached. If someone noticed that I was self-sabotaging, spiraling out of control, which is, what is the evidence that has brought to you, brought you to this conclusion? Maybe not in such formal language, but basically asking that question is like, what what has happened to make you believe this? To see if there is a way that can talk it out, because I do better at talking problems out than being told what my problem is. So I need to have that oh, dialogue. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, I need that oh, dialogue back. <laughs> Aren't we all? But I do think like every week you've said like the the way through is communication. Yeah. This would be the quintessential part of that, right? You got to communicate. Something that you brought up here just a few moments ago. Uh -huh that I don't know why it took me so long to key into, but I actually have a, a business coach for my business uh, outside of this podcast. I know I have, a, I have a job outside of this podcast. He has a whole life, you guys. I know, it's weird. Um, but, it, uh, but we sometimes have these stories we tell about ourselves, about our businesses, or, whatever, or just uh, about our everyday existence. And he asked me that question once, like, well, is this true, what you just told me? And that always, like, put me in my, uh, stopped me in my tracks, because I was like, oh, let me walk through this. Is it true what I just said there as a factual statement, but is actually an opinion is not an actual factual statement and then really breaking that apart. So sometimes it's just enough to be like, ask that question of yourself. Is this true? So, <laughs> and then trying yeah. to break that apart. You know, we, we are the stories we tell ourselves, mm -hmm. right? We, we become that. I, I, you know, I always get after you when I'm like, tell me about Carl, Kyle Marshall and somebody date Jen and Kyle. And you're like, I'm unlovable. I'm like, what? hard stop stop <laughs> okay. stop not true not true and we we become the stories we tell traffic and yeah like i the, a, a really strong narrative that i had growing up was you know you're you're not going to be pretty so you've got to be smart hmm. like that gets into my so then every time you have your photo taken or every time you're in a group or every time you're on a date you're just thinking you know let me show how smart i am because i'm you know, I'm, I mean, I'm certainly not pretty. And then when a, when a man's like, you're pretty, you're like, well, you're something's probably wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the, to what? I, I love that response of us. It's like, well, what's wrong with you for saying that I'm good at something <laughs> or <laughs> yeah, that I'm attractive? That's a deficit of your character. Yeah. yeah, totally. Totally. What else we got? In the okay, we have one more here. I'm just going to pull this out or have, we have time for one more. So I'm going to pull this out. Um, I guess it's kind of the reverse. How much should we expect our partners to step in when signs of self-sabotage show themselves? Oh, this question makes me mad because I think it doesn't matter if you're 18 or 25 or 35 or 85, you own your experience in the relationship. Right. You got to check yourself. I think we don't talk about this enough, especially in relationships where, where I see, and usually predominantly women, I hate to say it, but they're just on their partner. They just ride them and they just, they just rag on them for what they are and what their shortcomings are. And I just think Every minute of every day when you're in a relationship, you got to be looking in the mirror and saying, like, am I doing this the way I want to be doing this? That's why I'm always like, anytime a girlfriend's like, oh, I'm in this relationship and, you know, he cheated and I'm going to kill him. I'm like, well, I, obviously I will help you bury the body because we've been friends since college. But the other part of that is, is that you got to look at, you're going to have to reach this point when the anger is over, where you also look in the mirror and say, what was my role in this? Like what, what happened that this fell apart? Now, some people are just assholes and they're malicious and they do malicious things. And I've been in that relationship, so I get it. But the majority of the time, 99% of the time, things fall apart because both people fell apart in it. And I, I, I always reject this narrative that it, it always comes back to one person's deficit of character. If you are not checking yourself in your relationship, you have no business being in that relationship. And I tell you, Kyle, this is a hill I will die on. I, I can see. I, I <laughs> mean, I, I don't know how much I have to add here. I think, of course, if you want help, you should be asking your partner of like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Is, is this actually what's going on? Or like, 
let, let's attack this as a as a couple together. But I I align with Jen a lot here with saying that with saying that uh, we kind of keep going back to it, but relying on your partner as a crutch for your for either what your spirals are or your your negativity about yourself. Yes, obviously you want to be in a relationship where you both feel that you can be honest with each other and are uh, a team to not necessarily a team to like uh, go into the world and 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 grab it by its throat. But at the same time, I I, I feel that uh, quality relationships or healthy relationships, you are more often the cheerleader for your partner rather than being like, I don't know, the doctor of your partner where you're constantly having to like heal them and stuff like that. So I don't know. Does that make sense? Well, I'm not even sure if it's just maybe, maybe I see it a little bit differently. I just, Mm -hmm. do you engage in giving feedback that lifts up your partner? Mm -hmm. Do you welcome feedback from your partner that lifts you up? Or do you guys just give each other report cards? Like somebody asked me, because as you know, Kyle, I had a relationship end in the middle of COVID, like a lot of people did. And I remember you asking, like, how's it going at home? And I'm like, oh, we're playing this, this game, this endless game of why do you have to do it this way? And there are no winners. And that I think when you're constantly giving your partner a report card, they have nowhere to grow because it's just feedback that doesn't give them a a chance to be successful. I've done that to partners. Partners have done that to me in some of the most toxic relationships I've been in. We're just sabotaging each other because it's just like, you know, who can micromanage who the most. And I think that that's that's self-sabotage that then crosses the divide between I'm sabotaging myself in this relationship to I'm now going to sabotage my partner in this relationship, which ironically we haven't talked about at all. No, but that's a good call. I think that that can be how self-sabotage actually rears its head sometimes that the internal starts to become the external and you start to throw that on the other person. Like your own insecurities start being thrown in there and then you have to like poke and like point out deficiencies, so-called deficiencies in your partner. But dude, that sticks with people because I have dated people who have come out of relationships like that. And it is like post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Because then you provide some piece of feedback and you're well-meaning and you watch that person crumble underneath you. And you're like, oh, I'm not here to give you a report card. I'm here to to communicate with you so that we can grow this thing tighter. Mm -hmm. I, I think we have to be cognizant that when we're when we're when we're dam- when we're damaging and we and we sabotage relationships that that sticks with a person that you you inevitably carry that into the next relationship right you inevitably carry that in you know i i had a partner who was really really hard on my weight it was a constant mm-hmm. conversation about how much i weighed and the choices that i made to address what i weighed and and it and it it was it wasn't in a way that was lifting me up. It wasn't in a way that's like let's you know let's do activities together and hey you look great today and like like wasn't in a way that was empowering me. It was in a way that was just absolutely sabotaging. And then I go into a next relationship thinking I'm just like okay I'm you know happy with myself and I'm going into something new. And then it, I think it was like a comment about something about my and it was so flippant and I was just like oh here's the spiral, <laughs> like watch me watch me come apart. And I think we have to be really mindful that I think I keep saying we have to be really mindful, but I just think it's something that we have to know that it just sticks with people it, it, when you're destructive like that and you, and you sabotage yourself to the point where you're sabotaging the other person or you're sabotaging the other person because you're a psychopath. <laughs> it sticks with them. It sticks with them. I, I, I think that that is maybe what we're both coming to realize here, or I guess the, the theme that this podcast has grown into is that your self-sabotage can turn very quickly into sabotage of another person, of course, the relationship Mm -hmm. in general, but the ability to self-analyze and understand like truth versus fiction is what healthy people are able to do. So I think both asking that question, but also becoming um, responsible for your own actions. I think we all have to maybe do a better job at that in life. If you want to submit questions to the fishbowl, there's an easy way to do so. Jen, I know you know this, but you can visit our website at somebodydatejenandkyle.com. That's Jen with two N's. You look for the fishbowl and you can submit your own questions that uh, are guided by the prompt that's on that website. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be what we're talking about that week. Just submit your questions and we're going to give you some very unqualified advice. We'll get to your questions. We'll get there. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So let's talk about unqualified advice on that topic. So every week we find a columnist and they give advice and 
we dissect whether that's good advice or bad advice. So I was on Reddit because who isn't? Well, that was your first mistake, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. So this is, this is what the person posted to Reddit. Okay. I, a 25 year old female have been actively dating for the last year and I'm noticing a pattern in myself. I am told that I am an attractive female and have no issues finding men to go on dates with. I start off extremely confident and usually about a month in when I start start seeing myself actually wanting a relationship with that person, then I digress or regress, I guess I would say. They never see it, but on the inside, I start to tell myself that I am not good enough for them, that they will get to know the real me and be turned off and that they only just want to have sex with me. I don't overly portray these unhealthy emotions, which I also don't think how we talk about enough, how good people are concealing it. Mm -hmm. But I'm also the kind of person that when I have feelings for someone and that I'm all in and I believe I can accept others' flaws, but they will not accept mine. Does anybody else have this issue and who can help me with self-sabotage? And then people just gave them such, she gave her such shit advice for pages and pages of Reddit that I just was like, Kyle, I got to bring this to you. So what say you to this 25-year-old lady? I feel you is the first thing that I would probably lead off with that. I mean, I guess to answer her questions directly, which is like, anyone else have this issue? Yes, is the quick answer. Yes, (laughs) all. And uh, can you help me with self-sabotage? Well, obviously listen to this episode of our podcast. I mean, obviously you you should do there. I think what you're keen in on is something that I have definitely had to contend with which is that idea of knowing the real person and this is maybe why i've taken such reverence to marriage even though i'm not super religious um, i don't really care for the church as an institution but the idea of the marriage contract or like committing to a person being like hey i am going to be with you through good and bad you know tough times great times that sort of thing i really take a lot of ownership to that like if i'm making a commitment i am making a commitment and i'm going to fulfill that as much as possible on the flip side of that is like uh, i mean i've revealed a lot of stuff about myself here tonight but saying those things out loud like makes me flop sweat you can't see it through the zoom but i'm like literally sweating through my clothes here right now because it is scary to reveal that part of yourself uh and think that like hey if i'm really truthful about like the stupid stuff like the types of movies i like to watch all the way up to the big stuff like these are like what my political ideologies are and everything in between those is scary to reveal that part of yourself because i think the good and bad part of that is is every time you admit to something tell a story reveal that element of yourself you are you giving part of yourself away you know you're you're revealing that part of yourself you're shining a light into it and while that's scary i actually have learned that that is a more of a positive thing than a negative thing because when you give that off to somebody you are not, not holding that only in for yourself to obsess and, and distress over you are now giving it off to somebody else to carry part of that burden for you and the more people you tell, the less it, it can cloud your, your head because it's like, hey, I am now not the only person like Atlas carrying like the world on his shoulders. You're breaking that apart to be a little bit more manageable. So it's a skill. It's a skill that you have to kind of develop to have that good communication, allow yourself to share. And to be, uh, and to be quite honest, unless I guess you're a serial killer, revealing who you truly are, I will say is scary with the right person will prove, will prove fruitful. And if they're not the right person, I'm sorry, and if they react negatively to who, quote unquote, you truly are, then they're not the right person for you anyways. Yeah, I would add that it's okay that at 25... That's true, yes. You're still trying to figure out who you are, right? And I think that it's good that you're already recognizing that you have a pattern and that that pattern is not healthy, mm-hmm. right? Because we know a lot of people at 25 who would be like, someone else is always the problem. Right. But she's owning it. So I like that sense of ownership. I feel like that's the right track. I think you're absolutely right. When they, when you start to bottle it up, there's a lot of her keeping it like inside that this, you know, we are the stories we tell ourselves and she's got that drum beat all up inside her head. Right. Mm-hmm. Imagine what it must be like to, to, to date her. Like you think it's going great. And then it's probably like, ah, I'm done. And it's me. Yeah. That person's probably devastated. She probably has this like throng of devastated men in her wake. But I think you're right about, you know, being vulnerable and being able to say, um, you know, this is where I'm at. And the other piece is about saying, like, I am enough. 
yeah. like that drumbeat of I am enough. I mean, if you're looking for a person in a relationship that is, you know, has no flaws, you know, best of luck. <laughs> if you're looking for that person that never has a bad day, best right. of luck. Um, I would even go as far to say as the more you go down this path, the more <laughs> the more deal breakers you have, the more those deal breakers will go away. Mm-hmm. Right. You want different things. I said earlier, and I'll say it again, this idea of is what I'm saying the truth? Like, what do I know to be true about myself? Doing that hard work and being vulnerable to do that. And then bringing a partner along in that journey. Mm-hmm. But you got to be a fully formed self. You got to be a fully formed self. As long as you continue to be crippled by that kind of self-doubt, I think you're going to be held out from, from, some, something, from something really meaningful. It is so interesting, though, about how you can have these feelings just like burning inside of you, roiling around inside of you, and people will not pick up on it. Not to keep telling you that I went on a date the other night, but... Uh, no, I like hearing about your dates. Come on, man. Dish. They say this like, oh, you're like so confident and like outgoing. I'm like, that is two words that no one has ever used to describe me in their life. But thank you. But I, maybe it's I hide who it well. You, no, but maybe it's who you are in this relationship. True. Right? Maybe it's who you are in this relationship. I had to come about this with being funny. Because in my family, I'm not funny. My <laughs> family, like I have a lot of funny family members. And then when I go out into like dates and with friends, they're like, oh my God, Jen, you're so funny. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's been assigned to someone else. Right. But maybe just in that ecosystem, you are those things. Maybe, yeah. maybe in this relationship, you are confident. Who can tell, have you Jen? Ever considered Who can that? Tell? <laughs> well, it's early. It's early days. I'll ask you next week. I'll yeah. ask you next week. I'm, I'm sure I'll do something to screw it up. So. Oh my God. <laughs> and with that, we will we say if, uh, if you would like to answer the question of the week, which we ask every week, this week was about self-sabotage. And next week it will be about the end. We're going to talk about breaking up. We are. And I'm mad and I'm mad about it. I can't Why? wait for next Friday night. Oh yeah. Okay. I have some things I'd like to get off my chest. And so look for that question of the week on our website. Somebody date Jen and Kyle. That's Jen with two N's, Jen double N. And uh, we change out the question every week. You can also find it on Twitter. We're on Twitter at somebody date uh, at somebody date. And we're on Facebook at somebody date JK. Check out our social channels, share it with everyone, you know, and just remember we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. So let's, um, let's grow our little community. Be not self-sabotaging. Yeah. Together, be kind to right? each other. Just be kind to each be other. Kind. Well, Kyle, I wish you a great Friday night. Have a great weekend and we'll see you next Friday. See you then. Bye. Stay safe out there. Bye.